The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Wednesday, Second Print Nation. Your co-host, Mark Claire here with a little message before we get into today's episode. I want to make sure you guys know we have an awesome giveaway going on right now for new patrons of the Second Print Comics podcast. Uh, of course, over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash Pod, we give away all sorts of items to our patrons. But for this month, right now, we are giving away something even more, something extra for patrons at any level. Even at our lowest level of $5 a month, you are going to get a free graphic novel delivered right to your door. We only have three left. So this is first come, first serve. Remzo just sent out one this week to our newest patron who just put us over the $300 a month level. Now, we do have a goal at $500 a month. You're going to get an extra show. We're going to start incorporating interviews into this feed. So that is a goal to look out for there. But again, we just have three left. All you got to do is join the Second Print Patreon at any level at all. Patreon.com slash Second Print Pod. Even if you sign up at a level where you do get a graphic novel shipped to you because those levels do exist, $25 a month, you get to join the Epic Crossover level and you get a graphic novel hand-selected by Remzo and I every three months. Well, you don't need to wait three months if you sign up before this giveaway ends and it ends when they're all gone. Again, we have three left, so don't waste any time. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash second print pod. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the second print comics podcast starring Mark Claire and Rimsel Martinez. It's the most wonderful time of the year. That's right. It's getting spooky, motherfuckers. We are in October, and that means nothing but horror from here on out. Now, I know the last couple of weeks we've been getting a little frisky. Go ahead, bring it on some Blade, some Sandman, some Hellboy. But now we're in full bore pumpkin spice slasher mode. But we can't go further without the monstrosity, marvelous wonder himself, Mr. Mark Claire. Mark, how goes it? Hide the white women and hide me, because I love pumpkin spice lattes, too. What am I going to say? Um, but, yeah, it, it is my favorite time of year, too. It's when you have the excuse to break out all the horror movies, watch all the classics. I, I grew up loving the Freddies, the Jasons, the whole crew, really, the Michael Myers. Uh, I'm just I'm a I'm a sucker for campy horror stuff. And that fits right well in with uh, what we're going to be looking at today. Absolutely. And before we get any further, I'm a little bit jealous of you right now. You actually get to celebrate the Day of the Dead in Mexico this year. You know, it's funny. Yes, I I, I do. But I, I almost missed it because I actually have to take I ended up taking some uh, I have a little assignment. You could say I'm going on in Texas that week and I'm actually going to be there until the first. But Day of the Dead is actually like the official day is actually the first here in Mexico. So I, I will actually make it back for for official festivities to which we'll see because um, things are not uh, as as open as they were a couple of years ago. So I don't know what what actual festivities will be going on, but uh, we'll be here for it. And it's going to be awesome. The horror! The horror! Anyway, we're going to jump straight into it today because this is a series that I've I've actually wanted to do ever since we started SPC. Way yonder back, cough, cough, in 2020. Um, there are very few heroes where I had like a giant childhood fascination with. Uh, there may or may not be photos online, thanks to my mother's Facebook account, of me and my brother both dressing up as Nick Cage's Ghost Rider in 2006 when I was in middle school for Halloween. They they may or may not exist, but uh, the character of Ghost Rider is one of those where it's like when he comes out in a book, people either really love it or really don't love it. 
But ultimately, I've never met anyone that's hated Ghost Rider. And around this time of year, you can't be a comic book fan and not think to yourself, maybe I should go ahead and grab a little Ghost Rider here and there. So we have covered Ghost Rider in the past. We actually covered uh, the Sleepy Hollow story last Halloween. But this time, we're doing something a little bit different. We are going to what I feel is the 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 best version of Ghost Rider there is, Danny Ketch. Now, if you're not a Ghost Rider fan, if you've just seen the movies or you've got a cartoon or so, you might just be familiar with Johnny Blaze and you might like him, but if you've never read the comics, I could probably tell you that the real version of Ghost Rider you love, the one that you're most familiar with, is Danny Ketch. That's where he got the cool motorcycle. That's where he got the cool biker outfit. That's where he got his pennant stare and other powers. That's where a lot more of the horror elements really came in of that 90s grudge feel. So before we go ahead and dive into the origins of Danny Ketch Ghost Rider, Mark, tell us about your history with Danny. Was he ever one of those characters that you jumped into? Is this your favorite version of Ghost Rider? Spill it. You know, Ghost Rider is one of those characters that um, I, I think I would put him in the same category as like Blade, as we discussed a few weeks ago, where like I, I never, but I wouldn't say never. I do think I actually do have a, a Ghost Rider issue uh, in my fuck it pile that, that, that I'll be getting to uh, for patrons at some point down the road here. Um, but um, like, it's one of those characters that I see him in other books. I always think he's cool. Never really followed the character, you know, through and through on his own books. So it's just one of those characters that appears. Dr. Strange, I, I would put in the same way for me. Like I never really read a Dr. Strange book, um, but he's a character that always appears in the big events, uh, always appears in crossovers. Um, there was actually um, a, a, a brief moment in time, and I'm actually not sure. I think it, I don't, I'm not sure which Ghost Rider it was to, uh, off the top of my head, but there was a time when there was a, a replacement Fantastic Four that was like Ghost Rider, the Hulk, um, Wolverine, and somebody. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember who the force was, was off the top of my head, but uh, and and that's my first like memory of seeing Ghost Rider though in that like in that replacement Fantastic Four uh, for a moment. But yeah, he's just one of those characters that's always cool um, and is always a welcome addition to a book, but I'm pretty excited to get into Ghost Rider proper now. Um, but w- remind me, because when I like I my memory of Ghost Rider is Johnny Blaze. But timeline wise, it must not have been because this this started in this series we're going to look at started in 1990. And um, I I think I started reading in like 91. So it must have been this Ghost Rider. But maybe you can fill me in, fill in my gaps and the gaps of that some of our listeners might have. What was going on with Johnny Blaze at this time? Like, w- was he in the background? Was he just kind of like disappeared? And, and like what what really paved the way for this Danny Kesh to sort of come in and be a different version of Ghost Rider? So to take us from Johnny to right here with the introduction of Danny, what happened was, as everyone knows, um, Johnny's father is a stuntman who dies when he's a child, and then he gets adopted by uh, the head stuntman and guy who's in charge of this circus named Crash Simpson. So Crash Simpson has a daughter named Roxanne. Roxanne and Johnny fall in love. Eventually, during a stunt gone bad, uh, both Crash and Crash's wife die. But before they're actually like dead, dead, when they're both like terminal in the hospital, this, the wife dies and crashes on life support. So what what Johnny does is he makes a deal with the devil, Mephisto, as we've you know jumped around. <laughs> We're not going to go times. into that again. Don't, <laughs> don't get into whether, you know, Mephisto's the devil. Okay, the devil is Mephisto. He sells his soul to Mephisto to let Crash live. So what ends up happening is Crash comes back and everything is fine, but then Crash dies in another accident. And and Johnny's like, devil, what the fuck, man? Crash was supposed to live. And the devil's like, no, he was supposed to live that time. I never said he wouldn't die later. And by the way, you've got a debt with me, Johnny Blaze. So what he does is he merges Johnny with a lower demon named Zarathos. And basically what Johnny's role on earth as the ghostwriter is supposed to do bonded with this demon is basically to go and collect souls. So in order to not be a full on villain, what Johnny does with his newfound ghostwriter powers is he's going to deliver Mephisto his souls, except he's only going to go after those who are actually evil. So that way he doesn't like ever take innocent blood. So years go by. It's kind of like blade, right? Or, or, or blade just drinks that, that like synthetic vampire blood, right? Right? Or does, it, does he actually ever bite like bad guys? He he has synthetic blood and he fights bad guys. But basically, um, 
what he what he ends up doing is for years he's fighting bad guys he's doing his thing and then eventually he finds a way to get rid of the demon Zarathos that he's bonded to so this way he can actually go and live his life with Roxanne so eventually he does that loses his Ghost Rider powers has kids and moves on to basically take over the circus that uh, Crash Simpson once owned so years have passed. And now we're meeting this new Ghost Rider. Now, there's a whole other history. There's a bunch of stuff that you learn later on in the series. But for the most part, the world has been without Johnny Blaze, the Ghost Rider, for give or take, you know, five years or more. Hmm. Okay. Well, that, thank you for that that backstory. Because I, I had never really, I knew there was a Danny Ketch. I knew there was a Johnny Blaze. But I never really knew the difference. So that's why we're here. That's why you're here. That's why we're all here, kids. So what ends up happening is now we're at this point where Marvel is like, you know, people want grittier superheroes. People want uh, violence. They want scary dudes that look like villains but are, in fact, heroes. And uh, we've got this whole catalog of people. And we could go ahead and create more, but, you know, the image guys are eating our lunch. We've got all these other dudes, like from Valiant, who are super edgy. Let's go ahead and bring back one of our horror heroes and just update them for the 90s. And that's what led us right here. All right. Well, I'm ready to rock. So now we're jumping into Ghost Rider issue one. And uh, what I love about this cover is it's letting you know right up front, this is not your daddy's Ghost Rider. This isn't Johnny Blaze with a little, you know, like, Stuntman tracksuit on the Harley. This is biker Hell's Angels, Ducati, Mofo, Driving, Flaming Skull Ghost Rider. And he's, he reminds me more of, like, you know, the Frank Miller Punisher or the Frank Miller um, Wolverine than a- any other version of this character. So with with that said, what happens is we begin the issue and we start seeing that this guy, Danny, and his sister, Barb, are just hanging around at this freaking uh, cemetery. They go there. Normal brother, sister activity. Yeah. I mean, they, they go there because they used to go there as kids and just mess around. They like spooky stuff. And, um, you know, at this point, I guess they weren't supposed to go there. So Danny is like, Barb, if mom finds out I brought you here tonight, I'm in trouble. And Barb is like, chill out, Dan. I'm not going to tell her anything. Some maniac probably disembowels us long before mom can ground us. So they're just going around doing regular sibling shit. So as they're walking through the cemetery, as siblings do, they begin to see that there are just a couple of you know, uh, great, uh, gravestones, tombstones in this corner. And they start hearing someone going over there. So they kind of walk past it. And before you know it, a crowd of hoodlums run around and end up, uh, attacking them. But it turns out that's just a couple of kids throwing a prank. Barb goes ahead and kicks one of them in the butt and all the kids start running off. But at this point, they're like, okay, well, you know, that was, that was just a couple of kids messing around. We should probably go now. And next thing you know, they hear a gunshot. And as they look over, they basically see that there's this, like, gang fight going on. You've got this dude who looks like a Deathstroke ripoff, basically standing between a couple other gangsters. <laughs> Appropriately so, guy. because what's his name? Death... Death Watch. Death Watch, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, like, I, I knew it, but I'm like, Death Pool Law. Death, yeah. other death guy. Other death guy. So basically, other death guy and these gangsters who represent the kingpin, you know, Wilson Fisk, big dude, likes white suits. They're basically now fighting for turf. So long story short, uh, death guy went ahead and shot one of the dudes, and they're not happy. So what he ends up doing is he's just going to go around and start, um, you know, fighting people. But one of the dudes representing the kingpin isn't just a regular goon. This actually happens to be Mr. Hyde. Mr. Hyde is um, Calvin Zabo. He's basically, you know, a modern day Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, but they didn't have the rights to the full character. So they just made a new one and said he's Dr. I'm sorry. And said he's Mr. Hyde. And now he's working for the Kingpin. So him and uh, Deathlock are fighting and everything else at this point. Um, Death watch. Death lock is a whole nother guy. (laughs) 
Yeah, they, they start fighting. <laughs> a lot of death bef- characters in comics. Yeah, but before but before everyone can go ahead and start getting their crazy on, Barb screams because she's like, oh my God, look at this gang warfare happening in the middle of the cemetery. And what happens is uh, Death Watch, who has an army of ninjas now, apparently. I, I thought Death Watch and Deathlock was going to become your issues episodes, but we'll, uh, I don't, think you've already conquered don't it. Don't jinx me. Don't jinx me now. <laughs> anyway, um, what ends up happening is Barb goes ahead and alerts everyone to her location. So at that point, Death Watch is like, up there, that girl, she's seen my face, kill her. So one of the ninjas shoots a bow and arrow through Barb's chest, killing her. And oh, at Barb. this point, well, not Danny's, yeah. Oh, I mean, she's, she's most, oh yeah, she's, she's mostly, mostly not dead, dead. So Spoiler basically alert, she's she been, she's it. been, she's been shot by an arrow. Shit goes down later. That's why I kind of, Jumped ahead. Spoiler alert. Okay, so Barb isn't dead. She's just been shot with an arrow. Does that make you feel better, Mark? She's been hit with the arrow. Oh, yes. And now I'm glad she's I'm glad she's okay. Yes, it does make me feel better. <laughs> so Barb is down and the kids are freaking out because they decide to come over, you know, the hoodlums from earlier. And now Death Watch is like, uh, you know, this whole thing has has gotten out of control. And by the way, I forgot to mention there's this briefcase that um, the pun- that the Kingpins crew was supposed to bring over, and because the whole situation got like shit wild, uh, the Kingpins people are running off with the suitcase. So now at this point, you've got um, the kids helping Barb out, and Danny has gone ahead and basically tried to hide her under a stack of a bunch of cars. And as they fall further into this hole that's beneath it, because obviously there's always a giant stack of broken cars at a cemetery, because why not throw all the 90s grudge scenes in there? Um, what he sees is he sees... And somehow it seems like they ended up in a junkyard, which I guess is next to the cemetery? I don't know. Yeah, suddenly they, 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 just just say, says, they just say they, nearby. And then yeah, they just say yeah. nearby, but you know... It, so he it, dragged her from this cemetery to this junkyard, I guess. Yeah. So he, he falls into this pit beneath all these vehicles, and he sees this glowing piece of metal, and he's like, what's that glowing in the dark? Are those eyes? And basically it's freaking him out because Danny's kind of a bitch and he's like, no, no, get away. (laughs) So next, you know, these ninjas are like the trail, the blood trail ends here and they start kind of hearing him. So at this point, um, you know, they start seeing all these like glowing lights from around him in this like giant, like, you know, junkyard pit. And uh, he goes over and he sees that that light with that emblem staring at him was coming from this motorcycle. So he's like, oh, a motorcycle. So new. It shouldn't be here at all with all this. Like, Jeez, you're looking at a motorcycle. What about your dying sister? Come on. Yeah. Which she's like, oh, maybe I could try and get us out of here. But ah, there's so much blood. Her blood is all over me. So now what ends up happening is the ninjas go ahead and find one of the hoodlums. They end up finding the briefcase as well, but they end up hearing uh, Danny and, you know, the fact that he's all covered in Barb's blood underneath the rubble. So what they do is they're about to go ahead and throw a grenade in there because why be good ninjas when you could just toss a grenade? So what ends up happening is um, the, the gas cap was that like glowing emblem thing. What he ends up happening is Danny touches it and immediately shit goes wild. I mean, the whole place starts lighting up. He's like transforming in some way. And next thing you know, they hear this motorcycle. The ninjas hear this motorcycle flying out from the rubble. And what do we see? We see Danny on a giant flaming motorcycle with a flaming skull head holding Barb in his arms. And he yells at the ninjas, I am Ghost Rider, the spirit of vengeance. Um, just stopping right here real fast. This is one of the quickest intro origins to a character probably ever. Yeah. yeah and I really do love like the, um, I love the kind of, it feels like a very sort of campy. It feels like the setup to like a, a campy, which I say this in a, a positive way. I love campy sort of B horror movies. It feels like a very classic, like eighties B horror movie setup. You know, the, the kids are messing around in the playground and then somehow end up in the junkyard too. Uh, it's, 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 and it's just, it's just got the real gritty feel that was not so much indicative of the eighties, but very much was so for the nineties. And this is pretty much starting the nineties. So, um, I'm not saying this book set the tone, but it certainly fits the tone of what was to come later in the nineties. Yeah. 
Yeah. So now at this point, um, you know, the ninjas grab one of the hoodlums and he's like, I don't know who or what you are or what that thing is, but the, the, uh, but it has the other girl. So we need to go ahead and kill them both, kill them all. So at this point, Ghost Rider's just not having shockingly not that freaked out by the flaming, flaming skull on the motorcycle. But I mean, it's the Marvel universe. So of course weird shit happens on a daily basis. So Ghost Rider's just like release her, her, release her or die. And the ninja's like, you die first freak. And at this point, um, Ghost Rider just smacks the dude and he flies across the field and they keep trying to like, you know, attack him. But at this point, Ghost Rider's just like, I'm not having this shit. So he pulls this chain and he just starts like freaking beating and strangling people with it. And it's freaking awesome. But too bad at this point, somebody decided to call the coppers. So the coppers show up and they surround them, you know, giant flaming skull guy and the crowd of red ninjas. It's always got to be some Karen to call the cops, you know, always. So at this point, one cop shows up and he's like, I don't know where the rest of your pals went. I always assume they're Irish cops. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where the rest of your pals went, but you just freeze it right there, buddy. And at this point, <laughs> Ghost Rider's like the girl needs medical attention. So the cops are kind of like, you know, understanding that he's probably not super evil. So they do try and give her attention, but at this point, they're like, well, you know, we just got to cuff him and bring him in. Isn't that right, Jimmy? So they start just, you know, trying to arrest Ghost Rider, but then he just starts, like, beating the shit out of him. Like, they're just going to put cuffs on this glove. On this glo- like, can you picture his, uh, the you know, what's whatever the, what's the photo called when you go to the police station? I've never had to take one. So. The mugshot, yeah. Like, they're just going <laughs> to, like, they're just going to cart him in there and, like, line him up to take his flaming skull mugshot, and he's just going to go along with it. Yeah, but this, ah, one cop, this one cop goes ahead and pulls out a gun, and then you know ghost rider does some like john wick hand smacking shit and he lifts the dude and throws him like a freaking gracie brother and he throws him into all the other cops like bowling pins at this point um ghost rider's like the innocent blood spilled here tonight must be avenged it is my solemn duty and you see them all these other cops they just start blasting and you know the the bullets just go through him and he's just like, I can't be stopped. So what he does, he goes over to a cop car and he literally flips it. He's got super freaking strength. He's freaking awesome. And then he, you know, like, jets off in his motorcycle and you see a trail of fire behind him and he's like, do not try and follow me. And all the other cops are like, "Uh, what the hell was that thing? Meanwhile, uh, you know, Barb still has the arrow. She's been oddly quiet during this time. Um, A cop picks her up and he's like, call for an ambulance and some backup. This girl's in real bad shape. Who knows how many other bodies that freak left behind. So meanwhile, Ghost Rider is still just like going through town, evading the cops and just freaking people out. Um, he's just kind of tired of this. And you see other heroes who try and like gently uh, get rid of the cops. But what he ends up doing is he's just going to go ahead and just wreck them all over the interstate. What's even cool is that unlike the original Ghost Rider, this Ghost Rider's bike actually has some cool little functionality. So the front looks kind of like a shovel head with some headlights on there. But what he ends up doing is he presses a headlight. And what it does is it basically starts like, you know, carving the ground as he just starts pile driving through it and what it does is it screws up the road so now all the cars that are behind him also end up having to deal with that on top of all the fire because of oh, course i didn't quite pick up what was happening there i thought the car the cops were just bad drivers <laughs> yeah. so that makes more sense but meanwhile, he, he goes ahead and tosses a bunch, just causing so much damage in taxpayer money, and eventually is able to literally drive up a wall of a building uh, to, to get away from them. So Danny has been able to just escape the police at this point, and he's just left most of New York City in, uh, in rubble and flames on the roads as he's tried to get away from them. So automatically, we know this is not your daddy's superhero. Uh, meanwhile, he gets over uh, to this other cemetery because why not stick with the cemetery motif? And um, Ghost Rider's talking to himself. He's saying, innocent blood has been spilled tonight, awaking me from my long slumber. But vengeance must be delivered. Vengeance by my hands. Vengeance by my hands. As he slowly transforms back into Danny Ran- uh, Danny Katz. I was about to say Danny Rand. Fuck. All the Dannys, all the 90s characters. So at this point, uh, Ghost Rider turns back into Danny, and Danny has no clue what the hell just happened. He's freaking out. He's like, what happened? What have I done? What am I doing here? Barb, where's my sister? It's kind of like a Bruce Banner Hulk situation. Like it is a, a different personality that emerges along with the Ghost Rider, but he has like he doesn't remember it, but he had he like knows that that this thing took him over. 
Yeah. So now um, he's he's run off. The next day we're over on Wall Street where all the bad people live. And who do we see? We see that Death Watch guy wearing the most creepy, scary uniform of all, a business suit. <laughs> I was going to say it cleans up all right, but I think this is actually more frightening <laughs> than his yeah. very cheesy, like half ninja outfit he had on before. Yeah. But what ends up happening is um, he has some goons dragging this other dude from the night at this point, they're just like, hey, who was that ghostwriter guy? What did he know? Like, what's going on? And by the way, where's my freaking suitcase? So as punishment, what Death Watch does, he tries to go and punish the dude by murdering him. The dude pulls out a gun, doesn't do much because all Death Watch does is just murder him and tell his goons to go off and do more shit to fix this whole situation. Meanwhile, we're over at the Fisk building where we see Wilson Fisk, the kingpin, uh, doing his daily sparring, which consists of beating the shit out of his own ninjas because you can't be a corporate criminal warlord if you don't have an army of ninjas. He is absolutely jacked, by the way. I mean, you always think of uh, kingpin as a tubby guy, but uh, when he gets that shirt off, you can tell he does not miss he does not miss the any day <laughs> he might miss ab day he doesn't have abs but he's got he's just jacked all over here yeah but at this point um you know he's just learning that the whole deal went off and now somebody has run off with the suitcase that death watch was always looking for so now you really understand what we're seeing is a pitting of kingpin versus death watch for who can basically uh, end up being the new criminal warlord in the struggle for power. I'm going to go ahead and put my early money on the kingpin, <laughs> not this cheese ball death watch. I do have a question for you, Remzo. Yeah. Does the kingpin have actual powers or is he just oddly strong? Because he he snaps this freaking sword in half. Like He catches this sword from this ninja and just snaps it with his hands, which feels like a little more than even the most strong regular human would be able to do. He's just oddly, oddly strong. And, uh, you know, if you want to talk about powers at any point, there was actually a Punisher video game. It was an arcade game. Um, back in the 90s, around the time that this came out, ironically, where you could be the Punisher, or if you played multiplayer, you could play as Nick Fury. And the big boss in the video game was Kingpin. And Kingpin's power in that video game wasn't just being strong, but his uh, little cane that he usually walks around with uh, could spew fire, and he could also have, like, laser vomit. Ooh, I wish the <laughs> laser vomit. I wish the real Kingpin had laser vomit. Yeah, laser vomit was awesome. <laughs> So that's the only time I've ever seen him with real powers. But for our story's sake, he's just a big mofo. Fair enough. I mean, he he single-handedly squashed uh, one version of Peter Parker into into the Spider-Verse. So, I mean, he's always, he's been pretty consistently portrayed as strong, especially as well as in the Daredevil series when he, uh, you know, he was quite, quite a match for Daredevil physically. So now back at Salem Fields, that cemetery where everyone seems to be hanging out on a Friday night, we see the one female hoodlum uh, who stole the briefcase. She's gone off to this mausoleum where other kids hang out. And what she found is that all her friends who are going around scaring people in the cemetery have also decided to hide out there. And they're just trying to figure out, like, what's in the briefcase. And when they open what's it up. In the box? What's in the what's box? What's in the box? What ends up happening is they end up opening it up and the one kid thinks they're a bunch of deodorant sticks. But if you're, you know, somebody who's watched at least one diehard film, you know that these are like bombs or some virus gas shit in there. So obviously these kids are not doing their job and watching egregious amounts of TV. Uh, Next thing you know, we're back at the emergency room and we're actually looking at the panels through uh, Bar- Barb catches eyes and she's just covered in blood. Her parents are there. Everyone's freaking out. The doctors are rushing in like, oh, God, she's got an arrow in her. And then she just blacks out. Uh, meanwhile, Danny finally shows up the next day and everyone is like, where were you? I mean, like, what, what's going on with you? You look terrible. And at this point, he rushes in and he's like, Barb, is she all right? Can I see her? I imagine Danny catches like a John Travolta early, you know, early 20s. <laughs> hey, Bob's. Hey, that wasn't a very good she all right. Bit. Can I see it? And the doctor's like, she's still under serious condition. I suppose you could see her in five minutes. Um, at this point he walks in and she's, she's like out. She's not looking good. She's on ventilator. Shit's really bad. And Danny sits down next to her and he's like, Barb, I hope you could hear me because I need you now more than ever. I did before about last <laughs> night. I tried my best to protect you, but it wasn't enough. I'm sorry. You have to get better, Bob. So much is happening. I don't understand. He's not talking about puberty. Please continue doing this voice throughout the show. I would appreciate it. You're the only one that I've ever been able to turn to. Please, Bob, I need you. And it just starts going like farther and farther as the black um, mass, 
you know, shows us that distance is growing. They try and get very like horror artistic. Like I like it. Uh, meanwhile, Danny goes back um, to where he left the bike near another cemetery. At this point, it's just a normal bicycle. So I'm sorry, not a bicycle. It's just a normal bike. And he's just like, well, you know, we, we might as well try and figure out what was happening. So he goes ahead and he's driving downtown. And what do we run into? We see a bunch of, uh, you know, like dudes wearing trench coats and other dudes wearing biker jackets as if you can't really tell who all the gangsters are. And at this point, we find out that they are part of the Kingpin's crew and they're going around trying to figure out what's with the suitcase. Some other dudes turn around and are like, get off our turf. And the one dude's like, not until I learn what happened. We know some of you people might know you're young, you're kids. This is the 90s. You're wearing leather jackets. Hello. <laughs> so next thing you know, um, we see the one kid who's starting to get into it with one of the Kingpin's goons. Uh, a knife gets tossed straight into his chest. So everyone starts freaking out and they're like, what the hell? And next thing you know, we see the foot. I mean, the, the, the death watch. <laughs> this just, is totally the, the foot clan yeah. in red pajamas. That's what this is. <laughs> yeah. We, we see these guys coming down to fight them in the street, like a John Claude Van Damme film. And at this point they pull out their Uzis and they just start like blasting at the ninjas. They're like, yeah, cool, cool knives guys here. <laughs> Here Meanwhile, we find out that the Kingpin's goons were right. They're actually uh, the gang that all the hoodlum kids who stole the briefcase are part of. And they all start screaming and you start hearing the gunshots all around town. And uh, Danny is like, oh, shit, like what's going on? Suddenly the gas cap creepy eye thing starts glowing. And Danny's like, oh, no, not again. If I touch <laughs> it, I might turn into that thing again, that monster. No, I can't. I won't. But he does. He smacks it. And immediately his face melts off. The whole thing sets on fire and swoosh, Ghost Rider goes off again. We get another awesome full page spread. Uh, meanwhile, I mean, this gang fight is like full Kung Fu fighting. It was, they were fast as lightning. It was crazy. <laughs> and Ghost Rider suddenly shows up. So what he does is he basically takes um, his chain that he's been using like whack and strangle people and he like lights it up, but in a way like all the chain links expand. So they're only like, you know, they're, they're held together by like fire. It, it doesn't make any sense. But next thing you know, he like swings it at them and all the little individual chains shoot off like bullets and it kills a bunch of the ninjas. It's, it's crazy. But at this point, um, you know, the Kingpin's guys are like, this shit's gone wild. Now we have flaming skull motorcycle guy. So what Kingpin does is I'm sorry. What Kingpin's guy does is he goes ahead and pulls out bazooka and shoots ghost rider with it. But at this point, um, you know, they, they all know whether he's alive or dead or not. And at this point, one of the, one of the ninjas comes out and he goes to the Kingpin's main goon. And he's like, Hey, it appears we have a standoff. Why not call a truce until we get more information? We both seem to require the girl. And, um, you know, at this point they go over to see bad guys come together sometimes. Yeah. They go over to the hoodlum girl and they're like squeal. And she's like, well, I'll never squeal. And they're like squeal. And next thing she's like, they're in the cemetery in three different mausoleums. I don't remember where I only hid Ralphie, the other kid. Um, he hid with Johnny last night. I just don't remember. So at this point they all just kind of figure out, we got to go back to the place. And uh, right before the ninja and the kingpins guy are about to fight each other because they got the information, the truth is over. Um, Ghost Rider smacks both of them in the head with his chain and knocks them out. So at this point, he walks over to the hoodlum chick and he's like, don't be afraid, as any skull scary person would say. I mean, you probably should, you know say something comforting if you're going to be <laughs> picking this girl up. I mean, it might not, might not help. But. Yeah. So what he does is he goes over and picks up her friend with a knife sticking out of his chest and he takes them both to a hospital and he's like, take care of the boy. So everyone is just doing what the ghost rider dude is telling them to do. And he, he decides to walk out. They're like, sir, um, do you have an insurance card or anything for these kids or, okay, we'll let you go. Bye. Uh, meanwhile, Danny goes back to the other hospital and all the newspapers are talking about this, uh, this ghost rider dude. And at this point, Danny's father thinks that ghost rider, according to the daily bugle is the one who may have done this to Barb. And Danny tries to defend, you know, ghost riders reputation, but the father's just not having it because obviously he's grieving goes back uh, to the uh, 
hospital room where Barb is and she's still not doing any better. And he's just like, this is all so crazy. I, I don't <laughs> want it to happen anymore, but I can't bring myself to get rid of the bike. I, uh, I, I just want to dance. I just want to go dance. I, I saved like two kids last night. I, I am, you know, this ghost rider. I mean, I'm so powerful. Why can't I save you? Uh, meanwhile, um, you know, the kingpin is super pissed and he's just trashing his office. And then at the exact same time, um, Death Watch has just gone around like killing his own goons. So we basically see that whatever's in the suitcase, it's uh, it, it's not going to work out for anybody if either of those two guys get their hands on it. And that's what brings us to the end of issue one. And you know, one thing that's really awesome about being a super rich uh, criminal slash uh, business tycoon is anytime you get pissed off, you can just trash your own office and then walk out. And then someone else got to clean it up, buy new furniture, replace the desk, replace the carpet, all that stuff. It's got to be a nice feeling to know you can just vent and destroy your own shit at any moment because some underling has to replace it. But uh, as far as this issue, uh, it's it's uh, again, I'm just going to emphasize more like it just I really what I like more than anything else is that as a fan of like 80s horror films, it feels very much like a setup for sort of like a, a very you know a standard kind of campy 80s horror type film and it really fits the feel of this character being introduced here you know he's obviously sort of on the side for good but you know he's also a flaming red skull guy so kind of scary stuff and uh, again really seems to set the tone for a lot of the type of characters and stories and it just has that 90s grit already right here in 1990 so uh it's 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 definitely got me uh it's got me it's got me on the right vibration here especially for here for being here in october yeah, I mean, for an issue one, this gave you all but a complete story. It had the setup. It had enough um, to go ahead and give you something concise so it's good on its own. But it's also showing you that this is not the Ghost Rider you grew up with at all, and especially in terms of tone. Like the original 70s Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider books, like they had their horror element. But this is definitely going into like that Wes Craven slasher territory. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And so question here, and I, I know this is not – really discussed in the issues we're going to look at. And maybe it is addressed down the road. Is this supposed to be the same demon that had been inhabiting, you know, Johnny blaze to sum it up properly, or is this going to be a Mephisto? So so there is a true spirit of vengeance. This is the one who's like the overpowered ghost rider, the ghost rider with all the powers and abilities. This is not the same situation as what, Johnny was involved in. So Johnny was a ghost rider, but he was not the spirit of vengeance. Johnny was bonded with a demon that gave him similar powers, but he's nowhere near as powerful as Danny catches spirit of vengeance. And there's a whole, there's a whole reason why there's prophecies, there's past ghost riders. There's a lot of shit, but for all intents and purposes, this is nowhere near the same situation is Johnny blaze. So in Marvel continuity, is this maybe the same like ghost writer spirit that we see? Like, um, I think in, in Jason Aaron, he did like a, a Avengers 3000 BC or something like that. And there's a version of a ghost writer there. Is that maybe like that same theoretical spirit? Lineage? Yes. Yes. Okay. That, that's the best way of describing it. All right. Look at that. Even like with the current ghost writer, uh, Robbie Reyes, he's not bonded with the spirit of vengeance. He's bonded with a demon who also took on the spirit of his uncle, who was a serial killer who made a pact of the devil and they oh all my. got bonded together. So like there's ghost riders and then there's ghost riders. It's like three's company right there. Yeah. So now we're on to issue two. Love the cover. Just ghost rider on his bike, beating up dudes with clown jackets and shit. It's awesome. Um, we go back and we see the hoodlums, uh, this issue is called Don't Be Af- do, do Be Afraid of the Dark. I love it because it's kind of like Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Lo- love the 90s. I miss 90s horror. And at this point, they're being hunted more so by uh, the Kingpin's crew. And they're like, come on, where are the canisters? They catch the kid and they're about to like blow his brains out. But before he could do that, Ghost Rider shows up and he's just like, you know, scaring the shit out of people. And at this point, all the all the Kingpin gangsters are like, you know, prepared. So they all just start shooting at him. The one guy's just like, nail him, boys. And they actually shoot him off his bike. And like, he's taking lead after lead after lead. It's not a good situation for Ghost Rider. And he falls behind some bushes. And at this point, one of the goons is like, ha, he wasn't so tough. Vic's men must have been a bunch of wimps. And these kids ain't gonna help us, Selden. So let's go ahead and smoke him. And before he could do that, Ghost Rider's arm reaches through the bush and grabs him 
But what ends up happening is the little spike cufflinks and, you know, like shit all over his uh, his jacket. They end up basically like sticking out kind of like Wolverine claws in a way. And the one guy's like, no, wait, please. And Ghost Rider punches the dude's freaking face off. Like, it's a lot of blood. Like, there is no mercy. It's beautiful. There's no mercy. And, and one of the guys is like, he, he killed Craig. He killed him. <laughs> oh, my God. They killed Craig. <laughs> yeah. So the guy's like, killed them all. So Ghost Rider just comes out with his chain, and he's just beating the shit out of people. And you just see them, like, spitting blood and everything at this point. Dude, if I'm, if I'm one of these goons, I'm out. Like, as soon as I see this flaming skull, dude, I'm out of there. Like, I'm, how much are these guys getting paid to make this worth it? Must have good benefits, good dental problems. I mean, Kingpin plan must be great. So yeah. what ends up happening is that Ghost Rider takes one dude hostage. He drives up to the top of this building, and he's threatening to drop the guy. And uh, Ghost Rider's just like, tell me now. Tell me everything. Tell me why you wanted to hurt those children, who you work for. And the guy's just screaming. So at this point, um, he's, he's spilling. He's like, I wasn't going to hurt them, really. Just rough them up for some information. The word on the street is that the kids have canisters or something that Kingpin wants. I just wanted to make a big score and get good with him. You know, I'm, I'm going to be sick. So what ends up happening is Ghost Rider's like, what? What's in the canisters? What makes them so valuable? And the guy doesn't know. So what he ends up doing is just, you know, giving him a mild warning. He's like, yet you endanger the lives of innocent children to find them. This will never happen again. So Ghost Rider drops him on the rooftop and just drives off, leaving the dude just completely like pissing himself. Uh, meanwhile, the kids, uh, they see Ghost Rider drive by again, and they're like, ah, I knew it was him. The guy from the cemetery last week, the one the papers are calling the Ghost Rider. He saved Polly and Ralphie, and, those, and, and when those heavy hitters blasted Jamaica Avenue apart, trying to get those canisters. And then the one guy's just like, man, he's hot, because Ghost Rider's literally like lighting the road on fire. So then he gets back to the cemetery, turns back into Danny Ketch, and um, ends up going about his day. Uh, meanwhile, we see one of Kingpin's guys is, uh, no, no, this is one of the, this is one of the detectives, my bad. So now we're at this detective's at this detective's house and, uh, it's dark and he's watching TV and he hears somebody, um, you know, walking in. So he grabs a gun and next thing you know, as he sees this guy, uh, walking towards him, he tries to fight him. The dude grabs the gun, but ends up just breaking his hand instead. And, uh, who is it? It's, it's Calvin Zabo who ends up being, um, no, no, there's not Calvin Zabo. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm getting, I'm getting, it's blackout. It's blackout. I'm getting all my monster, you know, lost boys, mofos mixed up. And this is his first appearance just as uh, last issue was indeed the first appearance of death. So blackout is now bino vampire with dreadlocks. Just take it that way. And, um, he, he wants to basically go around, uh, trying to find out information on what's happening. So, uh, because he's he's working for for Death Watch, so he ends up gathering all the information about all the suspects in the case and everything else, including like where all the canisters might potentially be. He tells him it's okay. Tell me everything I need. No, I won't kill your wife and family. Wrong. He not only ends up killing the detective, but then he murders his son and his wife by drinking their blood and just slashing their throats. So that's blackout. Uh, meanwhile, we we go back to Danny's house and he's just like chilling in his room and. You know, his mom is just really worried about him because he's off doing weird shit at night and she feels that he's not taking Barb's situation really well, which uh, he's not. And they have like a little heart to heart. Uh, meanwhile, he walks downstairs and the classic girl next door, Stacy, comes down and uh, Danny's just like, oh, Stacy, I didn't know you were here. And she's just like, your mom said you'd be up soon. I thought I'd surprise you. So they, they go around, um, you know, Ramza, what are you doing here? Podcasting? You obviously have a, a, a strong career as a voice actor. How do you, uh, some say I am the Mark Hamill of my generation. I don't know. Some say, so anyway, they're, you know, they're, they're hugging and, you know, not groping, groping each other. Meanwhile, she's been reading a copy of the daily bugle where it says the ghost rider spreading terror. And what he does, he just kind of like lashes out. He screams, no. And he throws the paper down and he's just, and Stacy's like, Dan, what's wrong? And he's just like, I'm sorry, Stacy. I just, with all the violence, I've, I've, I've got to stop it. And she's like, how can you, you can no more stop the ghostwriter than you have, uh, you know, then you could have prevented Barb's injury. You go, you can't blame yourself for everything. All you can do is pray that Barb gets better and blah, 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 blah. She's trying to be you know, supportive, but she does not know what the hell is happening. 
Uh, meanwhile, what ends up happening is that uh, Death Watch's creepy place over on Wall Street, Blackout comes in, and he's like, oh, once again, my apologies for my light-dampening abilities, because apparently when he walks in, all light can, like, you know, get sucked from light bulbs and shit, you know, Blackout, it's in his name, because he's not just a regular vampire, he's like a step above Twilight Vampire, because he can make things black out. Yeah, that thing is like, it's like not a power, it's just like a... It's just like a random feature. Like when he comes in the room, he takes out the lights. That's just his thing. But it doesn't seem to have much utility. I guess it could. You can surprise someone, take their lights out, show up, be a vampire. He's actually, a, according to the Marvel wiki, he's a half demon. Oh, right. So I don't his, know if he's technically a vampire, but he certainly acts like his, one. His mother was uh, Lilith, uh, the mother of demons. Oh, boy. So uh, basically, Blackout and... Deathwatch are working with each other, but they both have their ulterior motivations. We see kind of a inside the mind of Blackout where he's thinking about, you know, just like killing Deathwatch and going and getting the canisters and doing his own thing. And meanwhile, they're just going to work together to get the canisters. But you could basically tell these guys aren't friends. Like they, everyone here has their own ulterior motive. Um, meanwhile, uh, he's ba- Danny is back at the hospital kind of just like, you know, spilling his guts about everything. And he's basically promising that he's going to do whatever he can, um, to, you know, reconcile this whole situation because he feels guilty. Um, next thing you know, one of the, uh, one of the kids who's part of that whole hoodlum gang, um, he's at home alone and, you know, somehow all the lights are off and shit. And as he goes around trying to figure out what's happening, you know what that means. Blackout is there. Blackout's in the neighborhood. So Blackout, like Kiefer Sutherland's vampire from Lost Boys, just like picks the dude up by his neck. And he's like, who, who, who are you? Where are my mother and father? And he's like, I'll, I'll be asking the questions, boy. Be quick and tell me what became of the canisters you and your street urchin friend stole last week. And I'll uh, see that you join your parents immediately. So the guy's like, you know trying to fight him off and he eventually gets out of blackouts grip. So he starts running to his parents' room and what does he see? He sees that his mom and his dad have just straight up been murdered. So what uh, blackout does, he grabs the kid and throws him out the window, but before he can fall to his death, who's there to catch him? Ghost Rider. At this point, uh, blackout jumps out and uh, he's like, thank you for saving the child for me. I was not quite finished with my interrogation. Um, but at this point, he just goes straight to fighting. So Ghost Rider grabs him. He's just kind of like tossing him around. And he realizes that Ghost Rider is not a dude to like mess around with. But, uh, you know, Blackout's not some type of dude who doesn't get into a tussle himself. So he starts throwing him around. At this point, they're both uh, going towards the kid. But Blackout's just like, you know, this isn't worth the fight. So he disappears immediately. And Ghost Rider has no clue where he is. And that wraps up issue two. Yeah, I think uh, one one part I really liked uh, was the, um, I think we kind of glossed over a little bit, but it was when, uh, or did we not get to it yet? Yeah, we did. Oh yeah, when um, like Death Watch uses his power to like, he does something where he can like grab people and it basically like, it basically kills them when he, uh, you know, he can like read, see what happened. Like he can like read, you know, whatever. St- I think it has to do with experiencing death. Like he can just, he can just experience people that have seen death or something weird like that. It's, it's kind of unclear what his actual power is, but I like how when he does it to blackout blackouts, like, yeah, go for it. And he does it and like blackouts fine. And he actually seems to like enjoy it. That was just a, an interesting little twist about the relationship between these two new rando villains that we're meeting where uh, uh blackout actually gets to get some kind of, it almost seems like it's a weird pleasure out, out of death watch uh, doing this, like this weird mind reading thing to him. And also death watch is much scarier in the suit still. Yeah. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, we uh, Death Watch doesn't really matter, like long scheme. I mean, like long term scheme wise, and in, in the Ghost Rider mythos, like I'll, I'll just be straight up about that. But we we really see that uh, Blackout was really adopted as kind of like the fan favorite villain to be introduced from this new run. And for years, I mean, he's come in and out of comics. I don't think I've actually seen him show up somewhere in like ten years, maybe. But um, I mean, he was in the Spirit of Vengeance movie, which nobody likes to talk about. And um, they, they gave him some extra powers there. So he's he's interesting for sure. For sure. He's definitely not your typical bruiser type of bad guy. Yeah. He's, he's got a little a little quirk to him, which, you know, I can appreciate. Yeah. So now we're on issue three uh, where we have Ghost Rider versus the necrotic blackout, the nihilistic death watch and the nefarious kingpin. Um, it starts off over at a uh, police precinct in Brooklyn. And what's basically happening is that, um, you know, they're, they're interrogating the, the girl, you know, one of the hoodlum girls and 
They're like, come on, you just got to tell us what's going on with the people at the cemetery. And while she's about to go ahead and finally fill them in on this whole crazy situation, Death Watch's ninjas uh, break in as the cops are finally figure out what's happening. And at this point, they shut off the lights and the ninjas take everyone hostage. Meanwhile, Blackout grabs the girl and then Death Watch swoops in and he's got a knife to the uh, to the one detective's neck. And he's like his dying thoughts revealed nothing blackout in his lame suit. He should just in his lame like like villain costume. He just keep the suit on someone. Just just be be a Death Watch. Just say hi. My name is my name is Jonathan Death Watch. Businessman grill villain be a lot more effective if you ask me yeah so basically that whole thing just showed that no one's getting really anything out of that interrogation uh meanwhile danny is back at uh barb's bedside at the hospital when the cops run in and they're like here i, I want one man so i at least uh want, want, i want one man inside at least one outside the room at all times and at this point um you know captain dolan the guy who's been investigating all of this uh, Stacy's dad, by the way, Captain Dolan is Stacy's dad. Stacy's dad, he's Captain Dolan. He's dead now, and he's Danny's not. like, Captain Where? Dolan, what's going on? What is all this? And he's like, it's protection. And long story short, he basically brings up the fact that your sister may be the only one who ac- who can identify the killer from the junkyard incidents until she comes out of her coma, and we can ascertain what she knows. I I want her under twenty uh, twenty four hour guard. Um, too many lives have been lost. So at this point, Danny's just like, oh, I've got to go deal with this because shit's obviously escalating. So what ends up happening is you've got the kids over at the mausoleum all arguing with each other. And he has no, he really has no control over. He has no real control over turning into death, right? A de- death writer. <laughs> Everyone's a death something now into ghost writer, right? He just knows like, it's almost like a stress thing or it's like when ghost writer knows he's needed, he comes out. Well, Right now, it evolves throughout the story, but right now, what we see is that um, for him to turn into Ghost Rider, he needs access to his bike. He needs to touch that medallion on the gas cap, and that's what's going to activate Ghost Rider. I see, okay. But it's because he doesn't fully understand what's happening yet, and he doesn't really understand who he even is. So as he goes on throughout the story, you really see a great evolution through Danny Ketch of understanding really just how powerful and how many different levels there are to the spirit of vengeance. So basically all the kids are back at the mausoleum arguing with each other. And, you know, one kid jumps in, he's talking about how the one chick is over at the police station and how people are going crazy all over town. Um, Meanwhile, we see a couple of people kick down the doors uh, to the mausoleum and who does end up being ends up being uh, death watch and blackout holding the girl hostage. So at this point, uh, Kingpin has also basically been alerted as to what's going on. So he knows that because all Death Watch is people and Death Watch are heading to the cemetery, that's obviously where the suitcase is. So he starts sending people out there. So at this point, the kids have hidden the briefcase and all the ninjas are there and everyone's just getting interrogated. And the girl's crying again. She's like, I don't remember. I swear I don't. We hit them so fast they could be anywhere. And Death Watch is like, too bad. Perhaps we can jog your memory. Blackout, interrogate one of her playmates. So at this point, Blackout literally murders one of the kids by biting his throat off. And, um, you know, Danny Ketch is like, shit, I just can't keep watching this. So Death Watch is like, here, Blackout's going to go ahead and just kill each of your friends. So he get, runs back to the bike um, activates Ghost Rider, but before that can happen, uh, we see one of Kingpin's representatives walk out, the the guy who's like his aide, no guards or anything yet, and he's like, um, really, sir, I must really insist that you release the girl and turn over the canisters to me, and Death Watch is like, really? And um, at this point, the guy's just like, you know, we should probably just make our presence known. So at this point, all of Kingpin's goons jump out with all their guns. And the one henchman is like, my employer was really quite insistent that I return with the canisters. I do assure you that you are quite outflanked and outnumbered. So if you will be so kind at this point, um, uh, Death Watch is like, you know what? We we've somehow quickly between panels, we found the canisters uh, blackout. Go ahead and give them the canisters and blackouts like, what are you mad? And death watch is like, do not presume to question me. We are quite outgunned. As you can see, my pleasure comes from experiencing the death of others. I'm not quite ready to partake in that experience from the other side. I will leave you now, sir. Please take your, uh, tell your employer that I look forward to meeting him face to face. So at this point, um, 
the guy is just like, okay, so can you like give me the canisters? So while Death Watch is basically left, Blackout is still there, and um, Blackout's just like, no, nah, I'm not giving shit over. So he basically takes his his hand that has these like real crazy claws and he slashes the dude's throat and he starts going after all the other goons. So basically like all shit's gone wild. And, um, you know, now it's just a massive ninja versus gunman fight. So before, uh, blackout can go ahead and activate one of the canisters, ghost rider jumps out from nowhere because obviously he chose to let those guys kill each other off for the most part. And uh, he runs out and he's like, you're going to die tonight. So Blackout basically is about to bite open one of the canisters, but Ghost Rider tackles him. They start fighting. And next thing you know, what ends up happening is that Ghost Ry- uh, Blackout actually is able to activate one of the canisters. So, Oh, Blackout. Yeah, so, what have you so done? So basically what, en- what ends up happening is um, as as blackout has opened the canister and as uh ghost rider has him kind of like a bear hug to get him down. What, what ends up happening is blackout grabs ghost riders arm and bites into it. But what ends up happening here is that ghost rider basically lights up the ground of like fire and everything. So not only does it kill the trace of the gas in the air, but it also like fucks up his face. So, Um, as he walks over as blackouts fallen back, he sees that the other two canisters have also been destroyed. So he's like, it's over blackout. My hellfires fuse the canister lids and sterilize, uh, uh, sterilize the neurotoxins on the inside. All that remains is your punishment. And blackout just looks like a cat that's been hit by lightning or something. He's like my face, my mouth, the toxins, what have you done? It's like if two face was a vampire, it's really fucked up because now half his face is like freaking melted. So at this point, Blackout basically like runs off and uh, Ghost Rider is just like, you know, there's nothing else for me to see here. I really like Ghost Rider's like parting line here because Blackout's like, I'll have my vengeance. And Ghost Rider's like, vengeance? No, only the innocent will be avenged by me. Like he's he's like hokey, but kind of badass too. He can pull it off. Uh, Meanwhile, basically, um, you know, Kingpin has basically won this power struggle between death watch and he's just kind of looking over new york city the next day and he's like my beautiful city it appears that today i've saved you from terrorists daredevil and the punisher would be amused by that thought if they could ever believe it this death watch is not to be taken lightly and the one who apparently aided in me in tonight's venture the ghost rider tonight he has an unwitting ally what will the future bring my instincts tell me that he uh, he may yet become another thorn in my side like daredevil and the punisher i'll watch and i'll wait meanwhile um danny basically goes back to the hospital sit next to barb and he's basically telling her about everything that happened and at the end he's like you know is it right for me to deprive the innocent of a protector is it should i keep doing this and uh that basically ends the story indeed indeed uh shall we just dive right into this thing be my guess what's your score all right well i don't know my score because as as i've discussed i don't know my score basically until i say it sometimes i have an idea um but we'll see like this is very it's very straightforward but it's it's a very i would call it a very solid uh character introduction here and like i mentioned a couple times already i really enjoy just the feel of it it feels like you know, it's like I said, I'll say it again. Why not? Uh, it, it feels like very much like um, like a, like a, very much like an 80s kind of horror camp sort of film, um, which, again, is a perfect transition into what is to come in the 90s. And what I really like about this, too, is that, you know, it it, it, it sets up not just the character of the Ghost Rider and, and Danny Ketch, but also um, it, it kind of paints the picture of the broader universe that he's in uh, with all these different villains that we're meeting. Uh, we kind of lay the seeds for what's to come in the future so like kingpin is there in the background um he's not necessarily a di- in direct conflict with ghost rider yet but we've laid the groundwork we know this stuff is coming there's the references to the other sort of street level heroes like um like daredevil punisher um so like ghost riders what, what's cool about ghost riders he kind of operates on the street level but he is like a very powerful supernatural cosmic character uh so it's a really interesting blend there where he you know he's he's going to mix it up with a, with a kingpin character who is usually mixing it up with the, the street levels the spider 
Spider-Mans, uh, the Daredevils, etc. cetera. Um, but he is definitely powered in a way that those other characters are, are, are not. Um, so he's very unique in that sense. And he's just this in particular, this version of Ghost Rider is just so fitting for the 90s. And the fact that this came out in 1990 is just it's very much uh, like I said, I don't know if it necessarily this book was revolutionary or paved the way for anything that was to come, uh, but it certainly fits what is to come. It's a reflection of the times. It's a reflection of the times. Exactly. Um, as far as my score, I, I would call all of this basically all around. Um, I'm just going to say it's like better than average, pretty good, not mind blowing. So I'm, I'm going to give the story a, a 3.5. I think it's like a pretty good introduction. Um, like I said, this is not Shakespeare. This is not Alan Moore. This is not Neil Gaiman, but it is enjoyable and it does go by, go by uh, pretty well. And, um, you know, it's, it's a pretty solid character introduction as far as the art doesn't blow me away, but it's pretty good. It's solid. At, at no point am I confused. Like it's very like, especially a lot of the fight scenes, like in a lot of books with various artists, um, you know, the art can sometimes get confusing in fight scenes. And I just never had that issue with this. And, um, I'm looking it up right now. Cause I, I looked at the artist's name earlier and I had, I was not really familiar with the guy, this, this artist. Um, but because the Marvel app is a pain in the ass, I can't freaking find that page right now. Um, yeah, the art, the artist is Javier Saltaris. Never heard of him, but his art is, it very much fits the eighties, nineties. Um, I think that's kind of a theme with this book It's very fitting of the times. And these are my times. These are begin the beginning of my, my time. So even though I hadn't read this book before the vibrate, the vibe of it, uh, kind of gave me a, a nostalgic feel to the early nineties. Um, so I'm also going to give the art, you know, slightly above average. I'm going to give the art a 3.5. So 3.5, 3.5 quick math tells me I'm giving this a seven overall. So pretty solid, not mind blowing, but good. Enjoyable. So even though this was my pick, I always find it funny when I pick something and you give it a higher score than me. I think I'm, I think I'm more generous sometimes with your picks. It's, it's some kind of reverse psychology thing. Like I, I, f- I feel like I don't want it to go too hard. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Well, we're not, well, we're not too far off. I'm going to go ahead and give the story a three. It was good. It was generic. The dialogue isn't anything to wow you. It's definitely, you could see where it's taking inspirations. You see a bit of the warriors. You see a little bit of lost boys. Yep. You see, you know, like any type of Arnie or Stallone film in there. Mixed in with Ghost Rider. What about Arnold Schwarzenegger playing Ghost Rider in a movie? What would you think about that? Yo, Stacy, my face on fire. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go ahead and give the story a three, and I'm gonna give the artwork a three. Um, I don't think any other artist at the time could have necessarily done it in this style. And for a character, and understand, like when this came out, a lot of people had forgotten who Ghost Rider even was. So the fact that they were able to take this guy and in the next couple issues, you see him like yuck it up with um, spider with Spider-Man, the Punisher, Wolverine and stuff like they really. Oh, that that was the new Fantastic Four that that I referenced earlier. It it was Spider-Man, Ghost Rider, Wolverine and um, and Punisher. Hulk. And Hulk. Oh, and Hulk, yeah. Hulk, yeah. Yeah, so like, er, and, and that story comes about a couple years later, but it's like Ghost Rider becomes so important. For like three, four years, he was one of Marvel's top-selling books. He outsold the Avengers at one point. And it's because he's really this anti-hero type figure. I mean, he's 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 messing around the cops as much as he's well, he's not murdering cops. He's murdering bad guys like some of these other anti-heroes. He's definitely a, a reflection of the times. But, um, you know, it, it, it worked out. I'm going to go ahead and give a total score of a six. So that way we gave it a total SPC score of 13 out of 20. A good Sunday read, especially during these colder fall days heading up to uh, good Halloween. Uh, read. Halloween. Yes, good Halloween. Definitely. I, I will say that I liked uh, I liked the Legends of Sleepy Hollow story that we did. That felt a little more Halloween-y. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, but I mean, for Ghost Rider, everything like everything you love about that Ghost Rider started here. Uh, Johnny Blaze will come back. Johnny Blaze obviously did pick up the mantle of Ghost Rider again. But because of Danny Ketch, because of this era of Ghost Rider, it really rewrote who he was to the public. And really everything you love about the, the whoever your Ghost Rider is, everything comes back to this reboot with uh, with Danny. Indeed. Yeah. And I could have gone, you know, I could have easily gone three or 3.5 on any, on either of my scores there. Uh, it's just, I think I'm, I'm in a little more of a generous mood today and it's the Halloween season. So I think it got a little bit of the Halloween bump, but we're pretty much, uh, on par here with our, with our thoughts. Well, that's all I got today, Mark. That's about all, all I got as well. Just a reminder, there is so much more fun for you behind the old Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash second print pod for as little as $5 a month. You can get access to all of our exclusive 
audio content, including the Remzo rants, Remzo versus the MCU. I know it'll be coming back at some point down the road here. Tales from the Fucket Pile. 2022. Tales from the Fucket Pile. Uh, we had the Remzo's uh, summer reading lists uh, that came out over the summer. Uh, and I, I might as well just say it now because uh, it will it will force me to do it. Actually, I actually have to make a, a sad announcement now, actually, um, that affects Patreons more than anybody else. But you know, I did have a, a special bonus Patreon show called the Random Marvel Comics Podcast where I would go up in the Marvel app, press the random button, uh, and you know, just read whatever random book came up and do a little podcast about it. That was a little treat for our patrons. Um, that ran, that button has been removed from the Marvel app, as we found out. Bastards. And we found that out on our journey uh, into Mystery Call. Uh, one of our great patrons, also Kirby, our other one of our other Kirby Club members. We now have two. Uh, Eric was telling us about that, and I was like, No, 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 come on, it's it's there. No, it's gone. I don't know why. Uh, I, I beg anyone that has any kind of pull at Marvel to put this back, but it is kind of taken away the random Marvel comics podcast. Like I'm, I'm sure there's another way I could sort of, uh, you know, uh, randomize some kind of list on my own. But the whole point was I didn't have to do that. I just had to open the app, press the button. So for now it's on hiatus, uh, but I am uh, coming up with another show I'm going to be doing. This is one you and I have discussed. I'm, I'm, partially through the the first reading for the first episode. Uh, so I will just tease it right here, right now. Um, this is the show called what Mark missed. And, um, as, as I've discussed many times on this show, uh, I probably kind of had a, about a decade or so long comic book dark period between, you know, maybe 2003, 2004 to, uh, 2013, 2014 or so. So there's a lot of stuff I missed in there. Some of it, I went back and caught some of it. I didn't. So this is a, a, a series where Remzo is going to suggest certain runs to me, or I'll say, like give me a good run of this comic to read he will give me that run i will read that run i will record a podcast talking about it it's that simple so what mark missed uh, along with a lot of other great great um and bonus content over at the patreon patreon.com slash second pod and as uh, as you heard at the top of the show uh, i believe at least at the time of this recording we do have a couple more graphic novels left to be giving away these will be given away to any patron at any level yes if you are one of the next uh, two or three patrons, depending on you know the timing of this whole thing, um, you are going to get a, a, a one of uh, the hand-selected graphic novels delivered directly to your door by Remzo himself. He's actually going to put on the mailman costume, knock on your door, hand you this comic, and probably get arrested, actually, after that. The things I do for your love. Indeed. Well, that's all I got, Remzo. What about you? Folks, as always, please, a five-star rating interview on Apple Podcasts will do more for us than you'll ever know. And share the episode with a friend. As always, folks, remember, if nothing else, there's only one thing you have to do, and it goes simply, read comics and change change the the world. world. Good night, America. Adios. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.